Every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. If you don't like it, screw you. But this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing. We want different voices. We want different races. We want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. Lie on the floor flopping around like a, <laughs> like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, <laughs> if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, I hope he pitches me to whoever, whatever he's, like if you think that way and you're just trying to use people. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my God, that's him. Wow, you got the part. Hired on the spot. Yeah. Pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Well, yeah, that know, makes sense. That, that makes sense. Watch the <laughs> though. Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew in the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. As soon as you start telling stories and having actors touch people's heads and hearts with their performances, you're going to have people that are going to want to connect to the people behind those voices. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and I, that's true for me today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Now, today we have a very exciting episode. It is the panel, the Working Pros panel from Evocation 2021. What's that, I hear you ask? Well, if you don't know, it is the conference devoted to the business of voiceover. And it is organized by myself and my good friend, Karin Guilfrey, every year. Of course, the last couple of cycles, we've been doing a virtual version because of you know what. But it's always a really exciting event, and the Working Pros panel in particular is especially fun, and it's always popular. So it's become a bit of a tradition to have the Working Pros panel from that event be broadcast on the VO School podcast every year, and today's the day for that. So we have an amazing panel for you today. It's comprised of four amazing voice talents, and my good friend Karin is hosting it too, uh, so make that five. The panellists today are Christian Lands, Trey Mosley, Tish Hicks and Maria Pendolino. So they cover a vast array of genres and styles and even where they're located and things like that. So we really covered um, a broad map of the industry. Check out the show notes for their credits. You'll be blown away by how much these people have done and Karin too. Now, before we get into the panel, I want to introduce you to a new sponsor. It is Voice123. Now, Voice123 recently partnered with Backstage, and Backstage have been a partner of this podcast for a long time, so it's all coming together. <laughs> um, I've been a member of Voice123 for, I think, at least 10 years now, and I'm a big fan. And they are offering VO School listeners a bit of a discount, so even better. Now, let me get this verbiage exactly correct. All VO School listeners get $50 off any upgrades or new signups on their premium memberships. It'll be accessible at voice123.com slash plans slash VO School, or you can visit the link in the description for more details. Okay, so if you want to save a bit of money when you sign up or upgrade, that's the place to go. That link will also be in the show notes, and uh, you'll hear the ad in the episode a little later. And finally, 
The next episode, which is coming out in a couple of weeks, will be another one of the submission type episodes. I'm going to be peppering these in probably every other episode and we'll cover a different style. I don't have the exact details for that right now. I'm still ironing that out. But if you want to be the first to know about that, join our Facebook group. Simple. Vero School Podcast on Facebook, the group, not the page, the group, and I'll be posting all details there. This is where you as a listener can submit your reads to a specific project and they get played on air and then they get critiqued by an expert or luminary in our industry. So that's pretty much it. Um, I want to thank JMC Demos, longtime sponsor of this show, Backstage Magazine, longtime collaborator, and now Voice123 as well. So that's very cool. It's keeping the podcast healthy and keeping it going. All right. That's it for now, I think. Um, Sorry to waffle on. I know you just want to hear the panel, so I'm going to shut up and let's do it. The National Zoo. (laughs) Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot in Spain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. This is Mike Cantrell checking in from the uh, Pacific Northwest. Um, this is my first time at Evocation. I'm just having a blast, uh, enjoying myself. Lots of great people, lots of great information. I have the distinct pleasure to introduce our Working Pros panel. Uh, this panel is sponsored by our good friends at Voice123. Our Working Pros panel is hosted by our own Karn Gelfry. Uh, these four pros who know how to work it are known storytellers, commercial voices, video game animation and trailer voices, as well as coaches and just incredible, helpful sources of knowledge in the business of VO. So please help me welcome Trey Mosley, Christian Lands, Tish Hicks, and Maria Pendolino. Woohoo! Hi, everyone. <laughs> hello, hello. 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 Welcome. <laughs> so happy that you're joining us today. Um, what I love so much about all of you being here is that I feel like you all and we all come from totally different sides of the voiceover industry. We all do so many different kinds of genres and work as professionals in so many different ways. Christian Lance has said something in uh, Facebook groups every once in a while that I absolutely love. And that is that voice actors are kind of like professional drivers in that You can call yourself a professional driver, but you can be a race car driver, an Uber driver, a truck driver, a taxi driver, and you're still a professional driver. And that's kind of what the voiceover industry is like for all of us. We all do different genres. So I'm just going to start with quick introductions from each of you. Tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got started in voiceover, and that's about it. We'll try and keep it short so we can keep moving on. And we'll start with Tish Hicks. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Tish Hicks. I am 25, 25-year 25 VO veteran. Uh, started in Chicago. I've been out here in L.A. for uh, 24 of those 25 years. Um, I'm also the Master Sensei of the VO Dojo uh, Training Center. I got started by the helicopter coming. A friend of mine uh, was creative director. And I said, that. That's what I'm going to do after I went to the session and uh, 
trained and did everything. Um, I've been the voice of Subaru for the last eight years, the voice of Citibank for seven years before that, working pretty much all of the genres. And I'm so happy to be here with everybody. <laughs> Love it. Go ahead, Maria. Tell us. Sure. I'm so delighted to be here for the Working Pros panel. Um, I got my start as an actor working in theater, TV, and film. Um, I was auditioning for everything from Broadway, theater in a barn in New Hampshire that paid $150 a week, um, television shows like Boardwalk Empire and stuff that was filming in New York. And I was just looking for ways to make money in between those jobs that I was booking. And someone was like, hey, you should try voiceover. So I took some classes and uh, networked with casting directors. I got my first agent. And I just fell in love with the booth and the idea that I didn't have to spend 18 hours on set and I didn't have to get picked up by hair and makeup vans at three o'clock in the morning. And I could just waddle into the booth in my pajamas and do my work and waddle out. And um, I've been a full-time voice actor since 2014. And I did my very first voiceover in 2010. Love it. All right, Trey. I got started uh, 11 years ago now. Wow, time flies. Uh, I think for me, voiceover has been a natural progression. Uh, just being a class clown in school, I was mm -hmm. always the first person to raise my hand to to read something. And all of those little things along the way uh, brought me here. But that and, and being laid off by corporate America. And <laughs> I was sitting home, you know, again, laid off by corporate America, watching uh different narration uh, documentaries and cartoons. And, you know, everyone stop me if you heard this before, you have a very nice voice. And I'm like, okay, sure, we'll go with that. And growing up, I always uh, heard that the people that were doing, you know, narration and things like that were just called announcers. It wasn't until I, I did a, a deep dive, I found this video, I don't know if it's still on YouTube, and it was called, And God Made a Voice Actor. And I was like, okay, you have my attention. And when I watched that video, it, it turned something on in, inside of me. And uh, thus the journey continues and, and here we are. Love that. Christian, you have an interesting origin story for your voiceover career. Yeah, somewhat. Uh, so hi, my name is Christian Lands. And uh, so I'm, a, I'm an immigrant from Mexico City. I was born and raised uh, in Mexico. And uh, we, we first emigrated to the U.S., to Los Angeles, when I was a very young boy. I was about five or six. And I learned to speak English by watching TV. So basically, um, you know, my, my parents both spoke English, but they had, you know, accents and it wasn't their first language. So I kind of yeah, took it upon myself unconsciously or subconsciously to kind of be the, the spokesperson for the family, as many immigrant children, you know, end up doing. So animation, cartoons, uh, commercials, the announcers that I'd hear on TV, everybody sort of created the foundation for what my language learning uh, education was uh, in the beginning. So I guess uh, I, I didn't really know it back then, but I was training back then, honing my ear to be a, a voice actor later on in life. Cut to, you know, decades later, I actually uh, became an architect and I moved back to Mexico City and I lived there for uh, over a decade. And then uh, in 2004, uh, I was drafted by an architecture firm uh, in L.A., so I came back to L.A. Uh, to work as an architect, and I got into acting by happenstance. Actually, I was sort of discovered by this commercial director at a party who assumed I was an actor, which I was not. 
But he was like, hey, do you want to, you know, we're casting for this commercial next week. Do you want to come and audition? And I thought it was hilarious because I'd never done something like that. But I, I showed up just kind of as a joke um, so that I could call my family back home and, you know, tell them you, you're never going to guess what I did today. Long story short, I ended up booking that on-camera commercial, which then turned into a hobby of mine, sort of the, the acting side of the business and on-camera, which was always something, always something I wanted to get into but never did. That became a hobby. And then as the years progressed, I started making more money as an actor than as an architect. So I quit that in 2005. And I said, I'm gonna, you know, I gave my two weeks notice and I told my boss I'm going to be an actor. And he had a hearty laugh and he said, we'll keep your, your desk warm for you. <laughs> Here's your seat for when you come back. Um, but I never did. So uh, 2005, I've been a full-time actor since 2005, full-time voiceover since 2007. Uh, I left the on-camera business in 2007 because I realized, as Maria was saying, it's, you know, going to the booth in your pajamas is a good time. So I, I decided I wanted to stick to that. And that's it. Been been doing this uh, for a better part of 15 years now, almost. I love it. So this is a business conference and we have, everyone here is trying to, you know, learn more about their business and learn about going full-time and growing their business. So I'm going to ask kind of a little bit of a personal question, and that is, how long did it take you from the time you started in voiceover to go full-time in voiceover and be able to leave your other job or just consider yourself really a full-time voice actor? Whoever wants to go first can, can jump in. Um, mine was about four years. So I did my very first voiceover in 2010. And for the first two years of my career, the voiceover that I pursued was exclusively the opportunities that I was getting from representation. And I wanted to explore some of the other genres, things like the industrial genres of explainer videos and e-learning narration, some of those things that I could do on my own to supplement additional income. And I actually joined our sponsor, Voice123, in 2011 to look for those types of opportunities. And uh, that side of my business grew dramatically while I was booking the things through my representation as well. And by 2014, voiceover was my largest source of income. So it took me four years from the very first booking to 2014 to pay all of my bills, my living expenses, my rent, my food, my vacations. Um, everything was paid by voiceover, four years. Trey, how about you? So between when things really got rolling for me, to, to be honest, between 2009, 10-ish, um, like Maria, I hopped on voice one, two, three, and I was able to, to book some things because when I got laid off, luckily, I had a pretty good severance and I had invested in a little known company at the time called Netflix. And um, when I first bought the shares, they were like 70 bucks a share. And then they jumped to like 300 bucks a share. And I saw my returns and I'm like, you know, I didn't work for a year. I lived off of my, my stocks and, and my severance. So that gave me time to really learn about the craft. I didn't really book anything. Uh, but when things really started to turn around, I would say between 2014 and 2017, I had no representation. Anything that I booked was just grind and hustle. Um, I had a little experience going back to, to high school where I was in the AV room, you know, cutting audio and video. So I kind of had a, a little know-how. So I, I kind of put together, and kids don't do this, I kind of made a demo of sorts and, you know, sent it out to people who luckily did not know that, that it was just a horrible thing, but it got me. <laughs> and um, 
you know, kind of lived off of that. It wasn't until I got my first agent in 2016-ish, and it was a, a regional agent, but she was able to, to, to find me working. I was, you know, doing things there. And, and by then, I actually went back into the workforce. But the way my schedule was, I was able to record during the day and then work in the evenings. So it, it didn't bother me at all. And I almost gave it all up because things were not going uh, the way that I thought they would be. And I mean, literally, I was packing stuff and heading to the, the pawn shop. And my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, she was like, look, you do this. You will hate yourself for the rest of your life. Every time you hear a commercial, every time you see a video game, all of the things you said you wanted to do, when you hear and see other people progressing from it, it's going to eat you alive. And I said, well, I don't know what else to do. She was like, well, let's do this. Let's go to one more VO conference, see all your old friends, get some hugs, hang out. And if it doesn't do anything to you, if, if nothing moves you, then whatever your path is, will go. Went to the conference, had a good time seeing everyone and ran into Joe Cipriano. Um, there was actually a raffle and winning the raffle and the winning prize was to have a consultation with Joe Cipriano. Talked with Joe for about an hour, uh, got the juices flowing again, and just not only reignited myself, but tried to reinvent myself. A year later, I joined with Atlas. A year after that, I joined with Jason Marks. And uh, the train has been running ever since. And it's a good ride, y'all. I love it. <laughs> Christian, you kind of mentioned it in your intro, but how many years did it take you to go full-time voice? So it, it, my situation is kind of is unique because I started as as an on-camera actor. Like I said, in 2005, I just up and left my previous career and said, I'm going to be an actor. So what I did at first was now this was this was pretty much strictly on camera at first. I put every last penny that I had uh, of, of my savings into training. Uh, and so basically I did about a year and a half of really extensive um, acting training that was anything from scene study to comedic on camera acting, uh, character study, uh, improv, a year and a half of basically almost full time uh, study. And the money ran out pretty quick because I was putting it all every every, you know, every penny that I made from odd jobs here and there was going into training. I ended up homeless and living in my car at the end of that. And um, I started just hustling any sort of gig that I could get on movie sets and TV sets. And I would be, you know, I did everything from background acting to I was a body double. I was a precision driver. I was a production assistant just getting by. So that was about a year and a half of, of kind of training and struggling to kind of, you know, stay fed pretty much. That's around the time when I started booking some, some big on-camera commercial campaigns and I, you know, got myself immediately out of debt. Uh, and then I got lucky because one of the campaigns I was doing was uh, an on-camera campaign for Home Depot. And the producers um, approached me and said, are you interested in doing the VO portion. Do you want to do our, our radio spots too, as our announcer? And I said, of course, and I'd never done voiceover before, but I figured I'll, you know, learn by doing that ended up being something like 250 radio spots, you know, SAG after radio spots. Cause I'm a, I'm a union actor. So I hit the ground running and it was like, I had to learn by doing immediately. And it was like, the workload was immense. 
So it was trial by fire. And from there, I mean, it was like my voiceover career just never took a, a break from there. And that was back in 2000, I think 2007 or 2008, uh, 2007. Uh, that I booked those uh, that radio campaign and um, and it's been thankfully you know I've been very lucky and it's and it's been uh, full speed ahead ever since. But so yeah, it 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 took about a year and a half when I was in that on camera process of really tough times, um, and then it's been thankfully it's been uh, it's been amazing. That's awesome, Tish. How about you? Yeah, like I mentioned in my intro, I had my first professional job what I call the helicopter coming because someone like, went, Hey, you want to do like, like Christian, like, Hey, you want to do this? And then shortly after that, I, I moved to LA and hit the ground running and trained, trained, trained. Like my hair was on fire. Like, who do you know? What do you know? What do you know? And, and who, who, who shall I work with? And so I think from arriving, arriving to getting my first agent was about, a year, maybe a year and a half, and not without glitch, like a uh, quick story of a demo producer doing me the greatest favor of my career by saying you're 98% ready and I'm not gonna produce your demo. So I went back to the drawing board. And then once the representation happened, um, I remember like things started clicking, little campaign and then writing in a, a Christmas card to the six figure year and then it happened and then the bigger campaigns and the bigger campaigns. And it's interesting um, for me, everything's been great, great, great voices, Citibank. And then I, in the midst of my, in the height of my career had for the first time experienced that it didn't work for the first time in the like 15 years in. And it was very, very, very dramatic because I had no, I had no capacity of like, no, no, no. You just, you just book. And then the next thing comes and it's bigger and it's better and it lasts for longer. And so that was, that was kind of, um, that was my journey to the depths of what and why and how we do it. And it's actually where the, that journey inside of what this means was, you know, the, the origins of the, of the VO dojo, right? Cause that, that journey required so much, but everything's good now and, <laughs> and it comes back. So, um, but, but it's, it's like, Two years. Um, it was two years. It was like two years. And then in the third year, we had a baby. And I was like, honey, you don't have to work. Just I'll take care of it. So, you know, it was it was like from from there to there. So yeah. Then I asked him to go back to work when that when it when it went down a little bit. <laughs> it's so interesting that all of us, and I think we were all so inspired by Mara's uh keynote speech last night. All of us have had struggles in this industry. All of us have had moments where Christian was living in his car. I, I, when I first started in voiceover was almost making my living, but still babysitting and literally living off of like the $70 a week that I got babysitting. I would just buy groceries for the whole week. And I rented my second bedroom on Airbnb to make ends meet. So my question for you is what advice do you have to a voice actor who is in a slump like that, who maybe isn't booking as much as they want to, or has been, you know, has booked a bunch of great jobs. And then now they're, they're kind of, you know, in a booking slump right now, Maria, we'll, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, first of all, know that it happens to everyone, know that it happens to all of us. And we all have those feelings. And I think, 
as actors, we have access to our emotions and our empathy, and we feel things very deeply. So it can feel very personal when you don't book. And even if you've been working like we have for five, 10, 15 years, that imposter syndrome comes back with a vengeance. Doesn't matter how many awards you have on the wall. It doesn't matter how many checks you cash. It doesn't matter how many zeros are at the end of your annual income. That imposter syndrome will just grow right back out of you when you feel that you're in that slump or that place of of not doing what you know you're capable of. So I think number one, it is important to be a human being in addition to being an actor. You must have something that gives you passion and love and light in your life that is not your work. That could be a hobby. That could be interactions with your family and friends. That could be having a adult coloring book full of swear words on your desk that you can use with your colored pencils, but something that brings you joy and excitement the same way that booking a job and getting in the booth does. If you don't have anything outside of work to do um, and everything, your, your self-worth and your life is just connected to your work, then those periods of you know, slump or not booking or whatever will be even that much more darker. So focus on developing things in your life outside of work that make you happy and bring you joy. Rely on your community, have people that you can call upon for advice and friendship, have someone that you know you can text a text full of expletives to when you're having a bad day and they know what to say to you or what gift to send to you to bring you out of that, that moment. And you have to continue believing in yourself. And that belief in yourself could come in a lot of different ways. It could be just, you know, getting into the habit of speaking nice to yourself, uh, investing in some form of self-care, maybe get yourself a massage or treat yourself to something. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that costs money, but, you know, treat yourself and treat yourself well. But know that you are not alone. It happens to everyone. It will happen to you more than once. And anything that you can do to develop facility for dealing with it that does not involve throwing your career out the window and, and quitting, I think, will, will always be the right answer. And, you know, the, the industry changes. The industry changes. The trends change. I know I uh, see Tish usually once a month at a VO Dojo event because I pay to take the classes that she puts on, continuing your education, even after being in this business for five, 10, 15 years, being on a working pros panel doesn't mean that there isn't something out there to learn or try or grow. So that would be my advice for getting through the slumps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about you? We'll go back to you. um, (laughs) two, Two thoughts. One is we are in control of our energy and not to be all California woo woo or anything, but, um, so if you think about, think about like a vortex, a vortex, you can catch, catch a thermal and spin up easily and effortlessly. And if you like start thinking like, oh, suck, scared, fierce, not enough, jealous, jealous, um, why is it so hard? Um, then the energy starts going down and that's a tornado and that starts getting destructive. And then you have to clean up all that mess. So how can you a relax, agree with Maria, trust, know where you know how to relax and, and trust it and let it take you up. And then I also think it's just also like looking at it a different way. I think if, if like, okay, that seems like a, well, that didn't happen. Um, then like, okay, well, 
if you look over here or look over here so all of those things but understand that you can you can sh you can shift it even if it totally sucks that reminds me of something that j michael collins said in his keynote at vocation in person in 2019 which was if the sky is falling where you're standing then move <laughs> you know so like if you're if you're not getting the traction that you think you should be getting in a space like if your agent isn't sending you as many auditions as you want then maybe try online casting if you are in a genre that you're not getting a lot of traction in then maybe try a different genre um mm -hmm. and and just move so yeah christian what advice do you have for someone who might be struggling yeah you know something you just said actually uh, rings true um one piece of advice that we hear really often, and it's, and it's very much a cliche, is follow your dreams, right? Follow your dream. And that's, that's great advice, and everybody says it, but what does it really mean? And it took me a while to realize what that really means. And the, the, the stress is on the first word, follow. Follow your dream. Because what some people end up doing, and I include myself in the beginning, and everybody kind of ends up doing it one time or another, is you try to force your dream down a preconceived path that you've imagined is going to be what's going to take you to where you want to go to success. You know, you visualize where you want to be and whether you realize it or not, you visualize what that path is going to look like. And that's what you carry with you, you know, subconsciously. And when things don't work down that preconceived path that you've imagined, that's when you start to have these issues of, 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 of depression and distress and anxiety of why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? Following your dream means being open to seeing the opportunities that arise, that the market chooses for you, that your career chooses for you. Sometimes you're going to see doors to paths that lead somewhere that you didn't expect, and you need to be open to take those paths. Because even though your journey may not look the way you thought it would look, it may take you to places that you never dreamed of. And that's very much what happened to me when I started listening to, to, to my career and kind of letting the pieces fall into place as opposed to trying to force myself. You know, for me, it was when I when I started in this, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be the you know, I'm going to be the uh, the hero in the animation world. You know, I'll be the I'll be the heroic uh, superhero voice. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to audition audition for. And I'll be the the lead hero and blah. And the market was telling me, you're the series villain. <laughs> and, and when I finally started listening to that, which was completely the opposite of what I expected it to be, suddenly I had, I started having this incredibly rewarding career. And now it's like, you know, I'm the series villain in a bunch of, you know, Emmy nominated TV shows. And that's not where I thought I'd be going, but it's, it's, it's been so great and it's been so fun. And it took me a while to kind of let go of that ego of where you go, no, this is what I want to do. And this is who I am. And maybe the market's telling you, well, but you know, Maybe you're not, maybe you're this, and maybe it's better. You never know. You, you have to be open to follow your dream, not to force it, to follow it. Mm. I love that. Trey, how about you? So I have this thing called the skyrocket theory. <laughs> um, the reason I, I chose the skyrocket theory is this. Anyone who's ever been a, a, a little kid, which is all of us, but if you've played with skyrockets, you know that each rocket is not going to go in the direction that you want. And the cool thing about that is watching it take off from different angles and different trajectories. You learn that sometimes and, and, and kind of piggybacking on what Christian said, 
you know, where you want to go may not be where you end up being. When I first said, okay, I'm going to do this VO thing. I wanted to do every and any animated thing that I could think of. What happened? I did none of that. (laughs) I began to, um, you know, I was the narration guy. And then eventually, you know, I went from going to, I want to do cartoons to now people hear me, you know, eight, nine central on ABC. I'm like, (laughs) no promo was going to be the place where I landed. Um, Fast forward to, you know, between 2019 and 2021, it kind of came full circle. I started doing a a couple of animates, uh, animated things here and there, got into video games, which was something that in the back of my mind, I'm like, be cool. I could, I could see myself doing some video games. And then I end up, you know, being in Madden since I was in Madden 2021, being Madden this year. And they just picked up an option for the fourth year. So the next Madden for next year. So I'm like, I'm doing something right. And another thing I I, I want to say to anyone out there who is going through a slump, the only way to get through something is to go through something. There's a reason that the word testimony has the word test because you are being tested and you will be tested in this business. There are some folks that have had a meteoric rise and just as fast can fizzle out. I try not to, uh, you know, my good days now outweigh my bad, but I had some bad days. But if you have people that can, that you can surround yourself with, that can uplift you, support you, kick you in the ass when need to, hold you when you need to be held. If you had that core group of people, I promise you the bad days, you'll still have some, but you won't have as many. And the last thing I want to say, once you get out of your slump, and this is something that I hear my wife say often, if you stay ready, you won't have to get ready. And what I mean by that is, if you're sitting there wallowing like, oh, what was me? You know, no one's going to ever book me again. And then you get a call and you're like, but wait, I got to go. Uh-uh. You've been sitting here moping saying, why not me? Why not me? And then someone finally says, hey, you, if you're not ready, guess what? That window you were looking for, because you weren't ready. Even in the slump, be prepared because you are one call. You are one email. You are one booking away from your skyrocket taking off. There's this image that I, I've posted a couple times in my various Facebook groups of this guy who's digging a hole. And it looks like he's been digging forever and ever and ever. And he's this far away from hitting a whole pocket of gems, but he gives up. <laughs> you never know how far left you have to dig. It's true that great talent is usually hidden. Too many believe that their path has been written, but all that you need is the right place to be. If you like voice acting, that's Voice123. Our clients will book you and love what you do, and you'll earn a living by just being you. So sign up or upgrade, and then please remember, we'll give you a discount as a premium member. A whole 50 bucks so you hit the ground running, because we must reward you for being so cunning. That's a take, right? Voice123, speak for yourself. Do you think that if you were starting in voiceover today, in 2021, that you would start the same way that you started when you started your career? Any of you? I think I would keep it the way it is. You'd start the same way? Because, and I, it's funny you, you, you bring this up. 
So I was talking to a buddy of mine, his name is BZ Cullens, and we were talking about how how we perceived our voiceover, again, trajectory and how it is now. He said, imagine if you were in a position that you're in now, and let's say you started VO in your 20s. You would be this young kid, and you know, and, and when you're young, and, and not to offend any of the folks that are in their 20s, but when I was in my 20s, I was a wild boy. If I was making the kind of money I'm making now in my twenties, I would I would be on E Hollywood Story or something. <laughs> I was loose, so I wasn't ready for it then. Um, I think because of what I've gone through, you know, what I've been through and what I'm going through now uh, at the ripe young age of 46, uh, it's prepared me for the things that, you know, again, 25 year old trade. I'm like, ah. Can do that but no I, I wasn't ready so uh i wouldn't change a thing uh i like where i am now and it's because of again those building blocks of life and and just progressing and as uh some of the old folks in the south say just keep living just keep living and <laughs> what I mean by that is you're going to go through a lot of experiences and for me experience has always been the best teacher and brings the ingredients that you didn't know you needed. And then suddenly, I mean, that's both in my voiceover career and in, in, in teaching as well. Early on, it was, you know, crossing that threshold into the booth, like everything that I'd done before. I studied theater at Northwestern. I was an opera singer. I was doing improv at, at Second City. I was doing Shakespeare. I was like all these things that you do. And, and then I crossed that threshold. I was like, ah, boom, here it is. And then all the other things I did. I'm a kickboxer. I work with a shaman. I, I ride dressage. Like, what is all this stuff? Like, what is it? And then I crossed the threshold into teacher. I was like, oh, okay. Cause I needed that. Oh, I see. Like, you don't even know what's happening now, how it's going to be like, oh, cause yeah, I did that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. If you guys don't know, uh, Tish rides horses. She does like karate. She does amazing things. <laughs> I love she, it. she does. She does karate on horses. Yes, it's oh, a new man. genre of horse, <laughs> like go yoga. You know. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna go to our audience questions because we have a bunch and we only have 15 minutes left. How did we get through the time so fast? Um, how did you find your niche in the industry? First of all, do you think you have a niche in the industry? How did you find your niche and when did the light turn on when it did? Let's start with uh, Christian. Um, well, it, it kind of, you know, goes to what I was saying before. I saw it sort of it's it picked me. You know, you start you start out in this industry and in, in I started out in, in where, you know, where most people start out, which is commercials or where most people in my genre, which is, you know, I'm a I'm a SAG after a voice actress. So we all pretty much start in commercials um, because uh, the, the L.A., New York City SAG after voice over marketplace is very commercial heavy and it's very much dependent on representation and not just representation, but getting sort of top tier representation, uh, sometimes even management. I share a management company with with Trey. And so in order to get that, you start out with commercials, you kind of prove yourself in that in that world. And then from there, you start migrating into different things. So for me, I just basically I, I tried everything and I and I really started listening to what the market sort of picked out for me, you know, and you'll, you'll you'll start seeing trends and you'll start seeing what works and what doesn't. And that's when you have to let go of your ego and you kind of have to go, OK, well, I thought I was going to be doing this, but this seems to be working out for me. And I didn't even know this existed. Let's try this. 
And so I think that's what ended up happening for me. And um, I had, you know, I had the, uh, the, the added benefit of, of being bilingual Spanish and English. So, and it's interesting how that's worked out because uh, you know, I don't, I don't do any um, animation or video games in Spanish, but I do virtually all of my movie trailers and, and a ton of my network promos in Spanish. So it's, it's funny how, how certain things work out where certain, you know, niches and certain uh, sides of the industry have specific requirements and have specific uh, ideas of what you should sound like and what you should be. And you just have to, you just have to listen to it. You have to be in tune to what the market chooses for you and you have to do the work. And that's pretty much where it is. It's not so much about choosing what you want to do. It's about doing everything you can for a little while and kind of letting the chips fall into place. And that's that's what I did. I'm not saying that's the best path for everybody, but that's what worked for me. I agree. Anyone have anything to add to that? I think for me, one thing as far as a niche that came out was I, when I first graduated from college, I worked at a bank for several years. So I was throwing around probably like Trey in corporate America, you know, lots of verbiage and terms and corporate speak and buzzword bingo and all of that kind of stuff. So that gave me a real facility for things like industrials. So whether that's explainer videos, e-learning, corporate narration, I have definitely carved out a space for myself where I sound like the very friendly, approachable coworker that just happens to be sitting in the cubicle next to you that just happens to know all of the details about anti-money laundering compliance that you need to be familiar with and aware of. Um, so that was a really great example of taking something from my real true life and applying that to voiceover and being able to exploit that kind of experience and knowledge uh, for the benefit of my voiceover career. And then otherwise, I have always loved being cast in any sort of commercial that has any kind of snarky attitude to it. And that came from a casting director, uh, Lisa Fiskoff with Broadcasters in New York City. I coached with her uh, at the very beginning of my career. Um, I count her as one of my mentors. And every time she would give me copy to work on when I was first starting my training, I would read it the way that I thought commercials were supposed to sound. And she's like, okay, that was fine would Maria like to read it now? And reminding me that my own default <laughs> setting, which, you know, while I am, you know, very happy and perky and everything, I'm also very sarcastic and very sassy and snarky that when I bring myself to the table, um, that's when I book. So my niche of the sarcastic snarky commercials uh, is something that I'm very, very proud of. Um, I'm going to pose this question to Trey and actually Maria too. This is from Colleen Arnold. Is it necessary to live in New York or L.A. Uh, to be a, a professional voice actor at the highest level? I would say no. And especially in today's environment, I think if you had asked me that question in 2019, I may have had a slightly different answer, especially if you were interested in pursuing genres that, um, you know, had a geographic preference or a geographic restriction. Today, I think the geographic barriers to entry are lower than ever. In a post-COVID world, I do think things like animation, some video games, very, very high profile commercial campaigns, it is very possible that, you know, we will see on castings again, you know, must be in New York, must be in LA for some genres. But I live in Buffalo, New York. I am a 45 minute flight from New York City or a six and a half hour drive. I have not had to report to a studio like 
absolutely required, like you cannot have the job if you don't report to the studio, that, those words have not been said to me since 2014. Um, so I can confidently say that you can be a full-time professional, successful working voice actor with a robust business across genres and not be in a major market. Now, I say that also coming from a place of having lived in the major market. So I had access to major market representation when I lived in New York City. I did networking. So certainly that provided me the foundation. But when I left New York, all of the casting directors that I was on the call-in list with, all of the people that I was regularly seeing, for several years, I didn't hear from those people because at that time, New York was still an in-person audition city. You had to physically go to a studio or physically go to a casting director's office to audition. So I was seeing far fewer opportunities from my representation in that city. And that was what actually pushed me to expand and look at regional representation and um, building up the industrial side of my business. But today, I don't think it is required. I'm gonna second that. You know, living here in Jacksonville, Florida, could I have imagined, you know, that I'd be one of the promo voices for ABC, for, you know, Major League Baseball? No, because, mm-hmm. you know, I was always told, well, you got to be in L.A., you got to have that L.A. sound, man. You got to be in New York and have that New York sound. And I'm like, no, nah, bro, I'm doing something different. I'm in mm-hmm. Florida. And one thing that even on the days that I doubted finding work, I never doubted myself. Mm. And as long as I put in the work, I always felt all I need is the right ear to hear me. Now, I don't care if you're in Nova Scotia. If, if, if the work is in Nova Scotia, you know, to my Canadians, hey, I'm, I'm coming to Canada. Um, mm. the, the beauty of being in voiceover, for one, not only can you create and become someone other than yourself, but you can be anywhere and still create and be someone other than yourself. Um, I remember when I had, you know, I was the first African-American voice, uh, at least as I was told, to be the voice for a NASCAR campaign for the 2019-2020 season. And I flew up to New York for uh, for a week and recorded bulk of the, the work up there. And then the rest of it I did here in my studio via Source Connect. You know, when I do my stuff for Madden pre-COVID, two-hour drive to Orlando to their studios. You know, I had to do a couple of things in L.A. And it really depends on the type of work. But now, again, since COVID has happened, not only regionally but nationally, eyes and ears are starting to to open and realize that, hey, somebody in Sheboygan, you know, can do the work. Someone in, in Bismarck can can do the work. It doesn't really matter where you are. Just, you know, like I said, you your best ability is your availability. And when it's time for you to do your job, do your job. They don't, I don't think uh, they would really care where you are. And sometimes they'll say, hey, well, this is going to be for our New York folks or our L.A. folks. You know, and for me, and this question brings on more on a personal level, I'll be moving to Vegas. So if I need to fly in for something, because I've missed some opportunities. I mean, you know three, four years ago, I've missed some opportunities because I just couldn't be there when they needed me to. But now, once we make this jump, you know, 30 minute or so flight. So Christian, we're going to have lunch, man. Yes. (laughs) Go and at least audition in person. If I book something, you know, spend a couple of days or a week uh, in LA and and fly back home in time to to have dinner. So nice. Yeah. 
Um, Christian, you've mentioned that you're a union voice actor. I think all of us here have different involvement with the union. Um, when, in your opinion, is the right time for a new voice actor to join the union? So that that question is impossible to answer without knowing your specific areas of VO focus, your geographic location to a certain degree, mm-hmm. your um, your tolerance for risk. Union VO is a very high risk, high reward area of the voiceover industry. Uh, and it's not for everybody. Um, and it doesn't have to be for everybody. So that's, again, that's impossible to answer. I'd, I'd say if you are, you know, specifically coming up very strongly trending in commercials, in animated TV series or animated films, in AAA video games and movie trailers and network promos, those are very much union VO uh, uh, areas, niches. And uh, for me specifically, look, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't make recommendations. I can tell you what my experience was. I joined the union the very day that I became eligible. I literally took my letter that I got in the mail and I walked myself uh, to the SAG office. And I, uh, I said, I, I, as of today, I'm eligible and I'd like to pay my dues. And for me personally, that's been one of the best decisions that I've made for my career. I'm not saying it works for everybody. And certainly uh, for somebody with a different sort of uh, a different portfolio of what they do and where they're located, it may not be the best uh, decision to, to make to do that. So it really depends on on what your focus is. And it's like we were saying, you know, it's like it's like profession voiceover professionals are like professional drivers. You know, so your question that you asked right now, it's like it's as if you asked in a forum for professional drivers do you, you know, when is the best time to get your commercial driver's license? And the truck driver is going to say, well, immediately you can't work without one. And the Uber driver is going to say, well, that's stupid. You don't need one. You just need to download the app. And then the NASCAR driver is going to say, you don't need either of that. You just need, uh, you know, really good representatives, a good, a good manager, a good publicist and a pit crew. (laughs) And everybody's going to start fighting like they always do on, you know, groups because everybody's like, you're an idiot. That's stupid. No, it's true. And everybody's right. You know, and so that's that's what it comes down to is which one are you and all of those, whether it's the long haul trucker or the or the limo driver, Uber driver, the NASCAR driver, they can all have extraordinarily satisfying uh, and rewarding careers. They're just going to be different. Um, So you just, you know, figure out which one you are and then ask me the question again. (laughs) Perfect answer. Uh, Maria, this one, it goes to you um, from Megan Selke. How did you know when you were ready to pursue representation in voiceover? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think, uh, and we heard a little bit of this in the demo producers panel as well. When you are in a position that you are confident that you can make money in voiceover, I think that people forget about the acting part of voice acting. People are told that they have a good voice or they're very excited about voiceover. And whether you're coming from a background of corporate America or you acted as a kid and you're getting into it now, whatever the circumstances are, you need to be a great actor. You need to be very, very competitive. And I've had the benefit of casting some projects or working on projects where I was one part of it and then I needed to cast additional voices. And it's remarkable how many people will submit auditions or demos or whatever 
who are just truly not operating at the level that a project requires. So an agent is going to look for someone who is ready to make money and compete at that highest level. They have access to the highest quality projects in commercials, animation, video games, promos, trailers, like Christian was saying, these very high reward opportunities. And they wanna make sure that they are sending those audition opportunities to people who can deliver. Are you prepared to be in a session and take direction? If a creative in a session says to you, that was great, but we'd like to try it with just a little bit more warmth. Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to bring that into your body and into your mind and your soul so that you can deliver a read that is completely different from what you did on take one or take two? An agent wants to know and wants to have the confidence that when you are in the session with their clients that they've cultivated over time to get these great auditions from, that you are going to be professional and that you are going to deliver and know how to behave and all of those things. And you need to be able to recreate everything that they heard on your demo that they loved without the benefit of 17 different edits and post-production and everything like that. So when you are truly ready to put up your shingle and sell this product of voiceover, you are ready to, you know, actually deliver and sell your voice to clients. When you have perhaps a track record of booking some of your own work so that you know in the marketplace people are choosing your voices, I think agents always like to know that you have that hustle and you've been able to source and book some things on your own. But ultimately, you're going to need to show them the money, um, Jerry Maguire style, and, you know, show them how your partnership can be profitable for both of you. Oh, great. Guys, I can't believe it, but we are at our time. I know. I know. It's so crazy. Um, Thank you so much to our wonderful panelists today. We are so, so, so honored and privileged to have you here at this conference. So thank you all. And you can unmute yourselves and say thank you and goodbye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 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 Thank and myself, Jamie Muffet. Special thanks to Patreon super member Angus McLeod and our sponsors, JMC Demos, Voice123 and Backstage. We'll see you next time. <laughs>